Good morning and welcome to Defeat the Chaos. I got thrown off. That wasn't our normal intro there. It usually has words to it, doesn't it? Or am I making that up? I don't know. I've had a headache for four straight days, so I am a little off my game. I am Julie. This is Defeat the Chaos. I have Jeff Forrester and Michelle Fuller with me today. And today we are going to be talking about friction, but friction in business. But before we dive into that, we're actually going to have some fun and just kind of shoot the shit talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas. When is it too early to put up your Christmas decorations? Is there such a thing? Is it ever too early for holiday music? And obviously we're going to dig into Thanksgiving side dishes, obviously. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. This topic creates friction in my house. Thanksgiving or Christmas? (laughs) Christmas. Oh, the decorations? Oh, my goodness gracious. Tell us. Spill the tea, Jeff. It's, oh, don't get me, well, you will get me started. So (laughs) the, it's interesting. My wife and my kids absolutely love Christmas and Christmas decorations. And growing up in a house of retail, Christmas has a whole nother meaning to me because Christmas season was where you made your most money. So it was seven days a week, all day, every day. Um, from really November until December. So I just have a different view of Christmas, I think, than some people. And so they wanted to bust out stuff November 1st. Like as soon as the Halloween decorations went down, they want to put up a Christmas tree (laughs) and put everything. They turned on Hallmark Christmas movies and Christmas channel. I'm like, doesn't Thanksgiving get its own due? (laughs) I mean, come on. Thanksgiving is the forgotten holiday. First off, there's not really a lot of decorations to go with Thanksgiving. And I think Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's have all been kind of blended into just one big holiday season where you just put your decorations up and you just go. Yeah, well, I'm here for that vibe. I have to be honest. We decorated the first week in November. It would have been November the 1st, but we were doing something. We go straight from Halloween right to Christmas because I want to enjoy it more than 25 days. Yeah, I'm here for it. I guess I get the whole, first of all, I didn't know that you grew up in a retail family, Jeff. I don't know how I didn't know that about you. What was, what kind of retail was it? We had toy stores. Oh, (laughs) I trigger word. (laughs) Yeah. So it was nonstop and uh, my dad owned it. So he had cheap child labor. And then once he passed away, then it was, that was my life for 70 years. As soon as it started, we shifted our hours from nine to six to nine to seven, um, Sunday to Sunday. So it was every day until after Christmas. Oh, yeah. That is, that's a lot. And see, everybody's buying things on Amazon so they can be grumpy and crappy to people and nobody sees it. So if you go to a store and you're buying your Christmas presents, and there's tons of people, and it's a stressful environment, be nice to the person on the other side of the counter. They're there just trying to do their job um, because, ooh, people can just be ugly and nasty at this beautiful time of year. I know. (laughs) And I think that's, we put a lot of stress on ourselves, right? We commercialize Christmas Mm -hmm. as much as we possibly can. We make it about the (laughs) gifts and how much money we're spending. Um, Thanksgiving is stressful. Like, let's let's face it. 
getting together with family can be stressful, <laughs> can be very stressful, right? When you've got, if you've got a big family, if you've got extended family, that gets stressful. Now, if you're an entrepreneur on top of that, you're already stressed because you're coming into the end of the year. You're probably trying to hit some numbers or you're very stressed about, you know, big sales that you need to come through that you're worried won't happen before the end of the year. Do you have enough money for Christmas? All these things. And it just boils over and you take it out on the, at, on the store clerk at the liquor store. It's where it happens, man. <laughs> you're, now you're trying to buy that bottle of Bailey's to put in your eggnog so you can get through Christmas dinner. And you're just an asshole to the clerk at the, at the liquor store. <laughs> That's how it happens. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's talk favorites here because I want to, I am very curious. Um, favorite Thanksgiving side, Jeff? Let Michelle go first. I've been, I filibustered okay. so far. <laughs> um, let's see. My favorite side dish is sweet potatoes mm. with marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how about you? See that I don't, cons it is a side dish, especially in the South, but that's dessert. Because it usually has a hard brown sugar crust on top of it. Nuts it does. No and it's amazing. <clears throat> My dad makes it both ways. I'll eat it either. Got it. Um, sweet potatoes rank up there really, really high. But there's a special kind of frozen corn that we've been eating forever. It's Michelinas, I think. And it comes in a frozen log. And so I only make it Christmas and Thanksgiving. And it is the absolute best. I love it. I've never even heard of that I've before. Never, I've never, was... ever heard anyone say corn as the favorite side dish <laughs> at Thanksgiving. Mine is, oh my God, I love all the things, but I'm not going to lie. Cranberries are my favorite and not the canned cranberries. I make the most amazing cranberries. Cranberry sauce from scratch, uh, it is to die for. I love cranberries. I love. like the canned cranberries, like the my, jelly. That jelly only that's the only thing he'll eat. If it doesn't slice, then he doesn't want to eat it. It's Who nostalgic for my me. My father in law. <laughs> it's nostalgic. I get yeah, it. I love I love me some cranberries. What's the worst side? Oh, um. I don't know. Since I make dinner, I make everything. So I don't make a bad side. Because I have a very picky family, so I have to make everything that I know everybody will eat. I'm yeah. not a fan of green bean casserole. Me neither. Me neither. Can leave that off. I'll eat Yeah, that. it's just, I don't, I mean, it's fine. I'll eat it, but it's just not, it's not something that I would choose if I had a choice. Yeah. Okay. Y'all do okay. appetizers at Thanksgiving or Christmas? Christmas, yes. Thanksgiving, <laughs> no. Though I thought about doing it this year. I thought about ordering... So I'll be in Denver for Thanksgiving, and I thought about ordering from um, Gold. I don't know if you guys have ever, have you ever order, ordered anything from Gold Bellies? No, but I, no. I got on their mailing list, and I just got bombarded with stuff for a while. <laughs> so not a paid <laughs> ad, but Gold Bellies has, they're basically a, they, they're, they take all, like restaurants from all around the country can like advertise or can list themselves on Gold Belly, and you can order food and have it delivered, right? So one of the, Things that they're known for is they have the pie cakin. Are you familiar with pie cakin? No. Oh my god. Oh, so pie cakin <laughs> is literally like a five layer pie slash cake. 
where it's like one layer of like maybe maybe the bottom layer is like a pecan pie and then it's like a spice cake and then it's an apple pie and then it's like another kind of cake and then it's like a, a pumpkin what? pie on the top. And so they have the pie cake in, which I bought my brother and my nephew a pie cake in for not not like the um Thanksgiving pie cake in, but another pie cake in <clears throat> for their birthday because they have their birthdays right at the end of August. Um and my sister-in-law said it weighs, she's like, this thing weighs like eight pounds. <laughs> it's like a baby. Um, but I was thinking about ordering from Gold Belly lobster macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah. Because my nephew now loves lobster. Smart boy. But I thought, oh, that might be delicious and I didn't want to make it. So That's not an appetizer, though. No, I know. I don't even know how I got there. <laughs> you talked <laughs> about desserts and side dishes. I know. Yeah. No, I don't. Not unless you count the olives as a, as a side dish now <laughs> <laughs> or as an appetizer. I mean, mm -mm. Well, I did them for a while. Cause we'll do like a late afternoon, kind of like an in-between lunch and dinner, like a dinner. What time? Um, usually around three or four, depending on if my brother-in-law's already in town or if he's driving into town Okay. and it will graze. But what I started finding out is I'll make these pimento cheese deviled eggs that are just absolutely amazing <gasps> and um a few other things and i'm stuffed by the time i get to dinner and i realize i've eaten a half a dozen eggs and whatever else i've laid out so we've actually stopped the appetizers for now yeah um you had me at pimento cheese okay so i'm gonna need that recipe <laughs> it's super simple so it's a tablespoon of pimento cheese for every yolk that you have and then you just mix it all together and then I'll fry bacon and put a piece of bacon on top of each. So you just put it in a pipette, you pipe it and into the um, the egg white and then put a piece of the bacon on the top. And then I'll always dust it with paprika. And then if yeah. you hit it with a dollop of hot sauce as well, forget it. Game over. <laughs> See, I don't I'm not the cook in this family, because if I was, everyone would starve. And that is truth. But I'm happy to pass that along to my fiance, who is the cook. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. I know, <laughs> Jeff, hit it with a drop of hot sauce. Forget it. Game over. <laughs> it's so good. I'm telling you. That might be the quote of the show today. The quote of the show. All right. <laughs> is it ever too? So we already talked about decorating for Christmas. When do you take your decorations down? December 26th. Oh, my wife waits till after New Year's. Yeah, I think there's some like superstitious thing. Like my mom would never let us take the Christmas decorations down until there's some religious holiday at the beginning of January that we had to wait for. Hmm. But I can't remember what it was. Interesting. <laughs> I don't I just I, I put up the decorations early because I love Christmas and I love decorating. And I take them down <laughs> the day after Christmas. My kids used to make fun of me because I would always say, when Christmas is over, it's over. It's time to take the decorations back down. Well, they're not wrong, right? <laughs> right. It's over. Yep. It's time. It's done. It's done. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's that. That's fun. Um, holiday movies. National Lampoons. That That's a must. <clears throat> yeah. Do you guys that want Christmas Toy Story? Story? Oh, yeah. no. Christmas Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Christmas Story. Oh, Christmas Story, Story yeah. I hate that movie. Why? I don't know. I just don't like that movie. It's just never 
I've never connected emotionally with that movie. Interesting. <laughs> ever. Ever. Home Alone. That's oh, I love Home Alone. Movie. It's a Wonderful yeah. Life is my favorite Christmas movie. I don't trust people who don't like that movie. I'm like, if there's something wrong with you, if you don't like It's a Wonderful Life. It's a great, it's a beautiful Bad movie. Santa. Scrooge. <laughs> I think, do you look, like, what about, have you guys ever seen The Family Stone? Mm-mm. Oh my God. So the family stone um, came out probably like 2013 and I, it's a Christmas movie and I was watching it on a plane and (laughs) I think a flight to Vegas probably. And hand to God in that movie, like at the end, the mother dies and I'm not telling you anything that you won't know if you're watching it yourself that you won't figure out fairly early on. But I'm like, like <clears throat> the year it came out, my mother had just died like three weeks before I saw it. And I was like <laughs> sobbing like a child on a plane. <laughs> like, uh, but I love the movie. It's really funny. It's got good stuff on it. So I, um, I'll, I'll watch, I'll, I'll watch that one every year. And I usually, if I get on a plane, I'm like, Oh, let me see if they got the family stone. I'll watch it. I also love Die Hard. I don't care yes. what people say. That is definitely a holiday movie. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's a Christmas <laughs> like a party. true 80s. It, it starts with a Christmas party. So it's a Christmas movie. 100 The Polar Express. That's probably yes. one of my I've never favorites. Seen it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. It's really there good. There are so many incredible lessons in that movie. If you listen to what they're talking about, the magic, it's... It's just so good. It's really belief in things that you can't see. Yeah, hey, listen, I just want to believe. Yeah, I want to tell you, I have a co-signer now. Jeff and I's friend, Mike Purnell, just, just sent us a text. He also does not like the Christmas story. So I am not alone. That movie is dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. You know, and there's like people who have like that, that, that leg lamp. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. As Do a you have decoration. It? I don't no. have it. No. Some people actually have a leg lamp in their house. Well, they did resonate with the movie <laughs> so much so that they went out and bought a lamp to I signal think- all of the other movie people that love it. It's Italian. <laughs> it's a bad signal, judger. I am judging. All right. I feel like, what are we, let's talk about what we're going to cover in our next segment. Although this was this was fun. This helped me. This helped kind of ease my headache a little bit that I've been dealing with. Um, so we're going to talk about friction. So Jeff and I, well, I finished. Jeff is in the middle of, Michelle has it in her shopping cart. I just ordered it. Oh, you did? Okay, perfect. I did. Um, the book Friction, it is by Jeff Rosenblum, I believe. I'm doing that off of memory, but I'm pretty sure that's it. And I ha- I, mean, I read a lot of books. We all do. We we are readers, right? And you know what they say? Leaders are readers. <laughs> did we just did I just call us leaders? Maybe. Or did I just call us readers? I don't know. <laughs> but we are big readers. We have a lot of people in our network, big readers. This was one of those books where like I will happily recommend any book to anybody. Right. If I've read something and I love it, I'll tell everybody I know about it. Like I've probably told 150 people to read The Comfort Crisis. Like go read that book. I recommend books all the time. This was one of those books 
where I only told a select few people about it because I didn't want everybody else to have the inside track on the information that was in the book. And then I thought, you're kind of being a bitch, Julie. You got it. Like, this is a great book that all entrepreneurs should read. They should read it. It, And so so we're going to talk, we're going to dive into it. What are you going to say, Jeff? I was going to say, when they look it up, there's a couple of books on Amazon that are titled Friction. So it's the one with the matches mm-hmm. on top. And then it's written by Jeff Rosenblum and with Jordan Berg. So make sure when you order that, you order that one. Oh, I-, I just realized Jordan Berg is his business partner. So I'm reading his second book now, which is called Exponential. And I'm at the part in that book where he, it's all about marketing and data. And he, he him and Jordan have just opened up their own agency. So that's funny. I, I didn't I didn't catch that when I read um, Friction. I don't think he talked about that, but Friction is very good. So we're going to dive into the different pieces of friction inside your business. We'll talk about um, some key takeaways that we've got from the book. And um, I'm going to start with a story about our um, master services agreement that we use for um, SP Pace and Certivium and something that I just did with that to reduce friction. What else are we going to bring to the conversation? This is me filling time now because we've got two minutes before break. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the finger curl for the 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll give a, a two cents in it just because Michelle hasn't re- uh, read it yet. When I first picked it up, Julie had recommended it. So I bought it and I started it almost missed church because I was just so enthralled with reading it on Sunday morning. And then I would came back, read more, and you read it with a highlighter. And then I would say, okay, I'm not getting anything done. So I'd put it down. I'd go do a, a task and I'd come back. I'd sit down. I read it some more. And like you, I'm taking pictures of the front of the book. I'm sending it to people. And it's one of those that not, not that I was keeping it from some people, only certain people would really appreciate it. Yeah. And that's that's what's great about this one because some people may read it and like, oh, that's kind of cool. I only send it to the people that I felt like would actually take action yes. on the information in the book. Otherwise, you've wasted your time. There's great nuggets. It's well-written. It's almost like a cool coffee table book. <clears throat> but yeah. by and large, if you don't take action to what it says in there, um, then it's it's a waste. But that's a way that's any book. If you don't do what you learn in the book, it's a waste. Uh yes. And I think that's one of the problems that so many people have with reading. They read, don't take any action. And so they've got all this knowledge that's never been put yeah. to test. And if you don't use it, there's no point in having it. Mm-hmm. Fascinating fact for you before we go to break. Americans are humans take in five times more information on a daily basis today than they did 50 years ago. Five times more information. Oh, really? I thought it was like 30. Uh, Only five. Mm, I got to check the source, but I'm pretty sure it's five. Yeah. I can't remember where I read it. All right. We're going to go to break. We will be right back and we're going to talk about friction. Stick around. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. 
Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. All right, welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. Now we're going to get into it. We're going to get into business stuff, entrepreneur stuff, friction. Let's talk about friction. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start with a little story in that um, I, about our master services agreement. So when we started SP Pace, we had an attorney create a master services agreement for us um, for working with clients after we got screwed. It took us getting screwed by somebody before we had the agreement created, right? So we had to learn the lesson the hard way and lose like $40,000, which when you're not making any money when you start a business is a tremendous amount of money for us to realize that we needed a contract. We create the contract and we had an, you know, an attorney that is, I, I know him through network group, Amazing contract, great contract, 11 pages long. And I didn't handle contracts at all while Corey was still in the business. Once he left the business, I had to take him over and I would send the contract out to people to sign. I would put the information in, send it out for people to sign and I would get pushback consistently. And I didn't remember with the exception of one client, Corey ever getting pushback, but I was getting pushback and it was always in a couple of key areas. One of them being the contract stated that if, we, if you decided you wanted to sue us, you had to do it in Virginia. And if we were going to sue you, we were going to do it in Virginia. And um, people started pushing back on that. They were like, no, dude, if I'm going to sue you, I'm going to sue you in my home state. So I would just let people change it. I didn't, I didn't care. Like, whatever. We're not going to get sued. <laughs> that was my, that was my thinking. Well, I have since gotten a new attorney. And what, what happened recently is I I was about to sign an agreement with a new client. She sent me a contract to sign, which was sort of backwards. I sent it to my attorney. My attorney's like, you can't fucking sign this thing. I said, why? And she's like, well, first off, it's going to land your client is, is, will be in trouble with the federal government. This is a horrible contract. There's a lot of things wrong with it. I said, okay. So I told my client, don't use this contract. And then I said, how about if I just write one? I have an MSA. So I just fill out the MSA and I send it to her. And she says, she replies back. She's like, I, I can't sign this. And I said, why? And she's like, it's so aggressive. So aggressive. So I talked with my attorney and said, I want to create a master services agreement that makes it easy for people to do business with us. That makes it a no brainer. I want a master services agreement that's representative of our brand of our personality, but also one that is mutual winning for both people. Like, I don't want to be aggressive on our side. So we came up with this really like very great, it's funny, you will read it to the end, um, 
master services agreement where we managed to work in murder hornets, Tom Brady's retirement, and um, she she uses some really funny lines when she talks about if you if you if we'll smite you if you do something and then she's like is it smoted smited it's like i don't know you don't want nobody wants to be smited but it's very funny but it's also very fair and it is um much more easy to read it's no longer 11 pages it's seven pages with a couple of pages intentionally left blank and it's just much better suited for our brand so that MSA reduces friction for us. It makes it easier for people to give us their money. It makes it easier for people to say, yes, I want to do business. It also makes it easier for people to recognize, I don't want to do business with somebody who has a contract like that. And that's cool. That's cool. Because if you can't laugh at that contract, then you're probably not the kind of people that we want to spend time working with. And we spend a lot of time with our clients, right? We're, we like to get to know our clients. We love our clients. But we want to work with people who want to work with us, and we want to make that an easy transaction. And one of the places we started was by re by changing our MSA and making it just more suited to who we are, and also less dickish, honestly. Because the it's other one, so good, it's yeah, so good. The other oh, one was God. pretty aggressive. So that when we talk about reducing friction in the business, now the book friction is a lot is on. Spends a lot of time on the marketing side, but it talks about a whole slew of other things. So, um, with that, giving an understanding of when we talk about friction, that's what we mean. Let's um, let's talk about friction, Jeff. What you got? Well, when you were talking, the whole time I'm thinking is values. <clears throat> when you start a business, do you know the core values of yourself and what you're willing to um, to focus on, and what you're not willing to focus on? So. Just in your example, Julie, about the MSA, that wasn't in alignment with your values. Right. Fun, lightheartedness, those things are critical to you because that's who you are. And you need your company and everything a part of it, representative of it. And so what I've what I'm learning and is if you're not in that flow with your values, you're creating friction. You're creating friction for yourself, which then in turn will create friction to the clients that you want to serve. Yeah. So the the book starts by saying, giving the def how they're defining friction, which I love. And it's friction is the difference between the way things are and the way they should be. And one of the top goals. So any client that that I have right now that I'm working on 2023 strategic planning with. I'm asking them to consider taking the goal of reducing or eliminating friction in their business wherever possible. And that starts outward facing, looking at every interaction with clients. So doing a client journey map or a customer journey map. So understanding from where they build awareness to you all the way through to where there, you want to retain them as a customer for repeat business. What do all those interactions look like and where can you reduce friction and it's simple little things like looking at, you know, if I have a question and I am a client of yours or I want to be a client of yours, let's say I'm in the middle of the sales funnel and I'm interested in buying something from you, but I have questions. How easy do you make it for me to either ask someone the question or find an answer on your website? And, and you can think about how much friction is there involved in calling a major corporation right now? 
for anything at all, calling a financial institution, calling your cell phone provider, and you're just, or calling Apple, and you're just pressing, like, you can't get an actual human being. That's just, it's frustrating. I'm, I'm getting, fr- my blood pressure is rising just thinking about it. And I very rarely have to call somebody, but frict- that friction, like removing that, reducing that, making it easier for people to do business with you makes people want to do business with you. Mm. I'm, I don't I'm, have anything to add. I'm intently listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. When you look at all the brands that did that really well, and I don't know who's still doing it. Um, but like Zappos, that was one of their big thing, the, the shoe company that was really just a shoe distributor that you could get on the phone and you actually spoke with someone. And then if there was a return, they took it back and they, you know, just sent, just bombarded you with customer service. So it made you want to stay with them because they made it easy. Cause if you're trying to return something or something doesn't fit, or you got something, um, that you wanted, but might be defective, you're already in a crowd, you know, a crappy crowd, grouchy mood. So they had people that really did a good job connecting with the, the client and making sure they felt better about the process because they're disappointed because they got something that they wanted that day. And then now they've got to wait for another one. And so, you know, that's online, but think about for me is thinking about when you deal with people one-on-one, we talked about retail before is I get to the point now where there's so much friction of just trying to give somebody my money. I've got (laughs) something that I want. I want to give you my money and get out of here. And now they're making it impersonal and uncomfortable and not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. I've heard that over and over. Just what you said. I just want to give you my money. You're making it so hard for me to do that. Yes. And I wonder if companies realize they're doing it. So even if you just, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, if you looked at the process of somebody making a purchase, so you already have their attention, they're already aware of you, you have their attention, they like what you're doing, they're interested in buying, they want to purchase from you, just look at that small piece of the transaction and see how easy it is for somebody to actually give you money. When you make it difficult for people to give you money, they're not going to give you money. They're going to go someplace else. You have to have a really well-established brand and you have to have a really superior product for people to fight to give you the money. Like, oh God, I need I need this. I need this. And it's tough. I There is a brand that I think does such an exceptional job of removing friction. And that is, are you guys familiar with Toomey luggage? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So I traveled like a hundred percent for like 10 years. Right. And I got to the, you, you go through luggage takes a beating. Luggage takes a beating, whether you are checking it or putting it in an overhead bin, you, you're constantly throwing it in the trunk of a car. Luggage takes a beating. And to me, luggage, when I first started traveling, I thought that's the dumbest thing in the world to have a luggage store inside an airport. <laughs> like you're already, you're already packed. Why do you, what, this is dumb. But I realized the genius of it when I made, I purchased my first to me bag in a mall and then something went wrong with it. And I went to the Toomey <laughs> store and they were like, oh, we'll swap it out right here. We can, we'll swap, give you a brand new one. Um, they, 
the best customer service, no questions asked, do everything they can to make it right. Amazing quality luggage that almost never breaks. Like it's amazing, but their customer service and what they do to make things right and to help you quickly because they recognize, look, traveling is already stressful. Let's remove the friction of travel, but let's also make it easier for you to want to do continued business with us. I probably have like seven to me bags in various sizes. And they're not cheap either, by the way. They're not. They're not cheap at all, but they're really, really good. Very high quality and their customer services and they have tracking tags on them. So if you lose it, somebody steals it, you can find it. (laughs) They're man. Yeah. They're very, very good. They make it easy to do business. And that is the whole point of reducing friction. So when we think about, because we're all coaches, well, coach people, right? I feel like there is a ton of friction in the coaching industry for people. And it's a lot of it comes at the reputation in the industry Mm -hmm. where it's, you know, the gurus and so many people who are, selling something that they don't actually have an expertise in or um, the 23-year-old life coaches. They're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's that's just filled with friction, man. You were a 23-year-old life coach. Like, how do you, what could you possibly coach on? I don't know because I have a 25-year-old son. And I'm not really sure what he would ever coach on. So I'll give you the flip. It's like the the professor in college that you had that had been a professor for 40 years on a business topic. Oh, not ever analogy. run a professional business. But there yeah. they are up there preaching to you every day about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Like, well, mm-hmm. when was the last time you applied that? So I think it's the same way, but since they're older, people just look past that as, well, they know what they're talking about. Well, Mm -hmm. it's all theory and theory is theory for a reason. I want somebody who has actually lived through it and has cried through it and sweated through it because they're the ones that are going to help me navigate when I'm start sweating and crying, trying to go through the same thing. Yes. Yes. I, there's there's an interesting concept that uh, came through that book friction of brands are defined by I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes brands are defined by their behavior not by their advertising and mm. so frequently when I'm working with entrepreneurs, small business owners, and they're always really interested in paid ads. They want to run ads on Instagram. They want to do pre-roll on YouTube. They want to run ads on Facebook. They want to get that attention. But it is a very crowded world. (laughs) There is a lot of noise on social media. And in most instances, if you don't have a well-established brand, then you're just wasting your money on that paid ads. And not only that, but I think the piece that people frequently don't think about is, uh, I'll just straight up, right? I will answer this for myself first. And even after having been in business for three years with SP Payson, two with Certivium, 
if I got a hundred clients tomorrow, if a hundred people knocked on my door tomorrow and said, I want to give you money to, to work with you, I couldn't take all 100. I could not do it. So we all have this notion of we want to go viral and we want everyone to see us and we want to be, we want all of these clients. But if you don't have the infrastructure, if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the people, you can't do it. Right. So all of that, the systems and process underneath it have to be set up. And that like paid advertising is not going to do that for you. It's not going to do that. Like you have to work on the backbone of your company. And that when when you think about, Jeff, you were talking about values earlier. When we say, <coughs> excuse me, um, values and mission, right? So the mission of the company, thinking in terms of everything you do has to ladder up to the mission of the company. What is the mission? What are you trying to do? And everything you work on, does it take you closer to achieving that mission? And for us, like I would have to say no to probably at least 50, maybe 60 of those 100 people, depending on what it was that they wanted, because we just don't have the, we don't have the team to support it. And we have, we have the systems and processes, but I don't have the bandwidth and I'm, I don't want to take on clients just for their money to have to then turn around and fail them and get that as the reputation of these guys don't deliver. Exactly. Deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> no, it's, it's really good. I'm just I know intently listening to her. Coming up on the break and around that is it's on page 31. Fighting friction is about relationship building. It's about mm -hmm. brands authentically finding a place in their customers' lives. So that in and of itself is one, have everybody think about between now and when we come back from break, but also what you said is you need a relationship with someone. So it's not just clicking the cash register and listening to it ding. It's you want to have impact and you want to be have meaning in that person's life. Yes, meaning and bring adding value, and that unless your mission is just transact running transactions, right? Got that old credit card machine, whoop whoop whoop. So, but that's not that's I don't think that's any of our missions. It's not we're not transactional mm. people. We are running relationship businesses. All right, that's so good. We're going to dig into that deeper on the other side of the break. Stick around. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. All right, welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. We are rolling into our final segment and I have Jeff Forrester and Michelle Fuller with me. 
and we are talking friction. And Jeff brought up a really interesting point on the break that Michelle and I are like, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about it. So I'll try to remember exactly what I said, but it it's when you were talking earlier, it's how we create friction within ourselves. And I know for me is part of the friction is not putting myself out there because I have no problem putting myself out there, but it's not being perceived about being perceived like one of those 23-year-old life coaches because we all get lumped into the same thing. So then I find myself not putting the value that I offer out there as much as I should out of, I don't know if it's fear or just holding myself back. It's probably fear, Mm -hmm. right? It's that fear of being judged or that fear of failure or failure, Mm -hmm. fear that nobody's going to, it's not going to resonate with anybody. So we're like, oh, I'm not going to, I don't want to say that, right? What's interesting, I I could sell the heck out of both of you and just through the roof. Like I could bells, whistles, sirens, everything about the two of you. But if it comes down to selling me, that's where I end up struggling. Mm, That's deep. That's interesting. Why? um, And what holds you back? I don't know. I don't know if it's just the past because I grew up with a really low self-esteem. If it's some of that, it's also some of my wiring. Like I don't need to be in the forefront. Like I would rather see the two of you be successful at the cost of me not being successful. And I would be completely happy, but that's not going to be beneficial to my family, but that's just the way I've always been wired. So you grew up with low self-esteem. I want to jump back to that. Oh, big time. Yeah. So I, I was I'm a fat super kid curious. growing up. Yeah, you were. Like, yeah. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, I was 270. And, and so, did you, what do you think caused that? The obesity? Putting double cheeseburgers in my face. <laughs> and ice cream <laughs> Yeah, sandwiches. but why were you doing it? Because of your low because self-esteem? It, it tasted good. I, I don't think I ate. I mean, I, I see now that I'm an emotional eater because I find mm-hmm. triggers when I get stressed, I'll grab something. Mm-hmm. Um, but food makes you feel good. I mean, ice cream sandwiches taste good. And I just had no, no throttle to keep me from eating six. It was just go in there and eat them. I mean, that's just what it is. I was fat because I put food in my face and then I was programmed and I'd, you know, this has, I think something to do with entrepreneurship, but then I was programmed. It's just the way you were made. Because I have a lot of bigger people. I'm a I'm a bigger guy. I've got a large frame. And so it was the the Sears Husky brand jeans. I'm just a husky kid. I'm big boned. Um, and it was just that constant affirmation, and not from my mom per se, but other people around me is you're just a big kid. So I mean, I was big. I wasn't necessarily, I mean, if you see pictures, I was technically obese, but um I was just a big, I'm, you know, six, two ish and then two seventy. you can kind of carry that as a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fat. I mean, that's just, you can't look at the mirror and look at pictures and not think that, okay, I was a big kid. And right now, like I'm two fifteen, So I'd gotten down to 185 in college. Um, so that I think has something to do with, with not necessarily selling myself. Um, 
but it's not, it's not fear of me putting out there. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I have no problem putting pictures up, putting videos up, which is usually a lot of people who are doing their own business. That's, they're just fearful of putting themselves out there. But I just would rather promote the two of you than promote me, which is a problem. Yeah. Well, it's only, it, it is a problem, but there is a way around it in that you connect with a tribe that has that reciprocity, right? So yep. people that are willing to promote you, um, then it's kind of a win-win. But you have to, to some degree, and you know this, you have to promote yourself. You have to you have to find that unique angle. And I really think that frequently promoting yourself doesn't have to look like a sales job. It can look like a, you're just speaking the things that are meaningful to you or the things that you believe, the pains that you've experienced and connecting with someone else who's going through the same things. They'll see themselves in your writing. And that's what I love about this book is that it, takes you away from traditional marketing and that traditional reach and frequency. And I happen, it's it's awesome that we got on this topic. So the page that I just flipped to, it said the old model was reach and frequency, which would have been feature benefit, feature benefit, just constantly paid ads. Like you said, the new model is reach and empathy. Do you connect with the people that you're trying to get to? It doesn't matter if we have a million followers or if we have a thousand followers. If we have a thousand committed followers, that's better than a million that don't even pay attention to what you're putting up. Yep. Yep. And I saw, um, I think it was just, might've been, it was either late last night or this morning that um, someone had made a post that um, they, the average, their, their client followed them on for an average of two and a half years before they hired them. Mm-hmm. Two and a half years. So that one is a lesson in don't quit. Mm -hmm. It's a lesson in needing to be consistent. Mm -hmm. But it's also in that building that that brand, that awareness, making that connection, the empathy there. So if you have something to say for two and a half years, you know, that's that's a that's a long time. And I bet you that person that follows you doesn't click like. What's really that all the time. What's really interesting is I ran, so I, and I think both of you know this, but I'll tell the story for the listeners. I ran a, a mastermind at the beginning of the year and a very small one. And everybody that signed up for it would have never in a million years guessed that they were going to sign up for it. I didn't even know that any of them even knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And all of them were like, oh, I follow everything you do. Ah. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Well, yeah. It to me it it resonated because I remember you telling me that story and it just reminds me of being a parent. We don't realize our kids watch every single thing that we do mm-hmm. with zero acknowledgement. <laughs> you yes. sit there like you were paying attention to that because they just sit there, but they suck everything in and they absorb everything. And that's what I think about when we're putting things out there. A, you have to be genuine. You have to be authentic and you have to be vulnerable. So that way people see every side of you. And when I say vulnerable, it doesn't mean you have to vomit and air all your dirty laundry. You just have to be willing to say that you're not perfect. Right. And that's what people connect with because nobody's perfect. 
everybody's damaged goods. And it's Mm -hmm. how you can manage through that and help somebody. And Michelle, that's why, you know, I'm new to following you and what you have to share, but you are one bold MFR. I mean, that's just (laughs) one of those, it's not, it's not a unique catchy name. It's just who you are and you put it out there. And that's why, you know, women that have gone through those things and there's a lot of them out there would resonate with you. I get asked a lot why I share so much about my past and why I am so transparent online. I do it because there are women, just like you said, who are going through the exact same feelings and things that I did. They believe that they're on an island, that they are the only women that are going through whatever that scenario is. They have no one to share it with, or they don't feel safe sharing it with someone. I understand those women. I understand what they're going through. I understand what they're feeling. And I understand how hopeless you can feel in those situations. And those are the women that I'm always talking to. And that is why I'm so honest and bold. (laughs) And it really connects with a lot of people, but it's also that I, I don't think there's, I don't think it's different for anybody, regardless of what it is that you're talking about, what kind of coach you are. There are people who, when they see themselves in the post, they will not like it because they don't want anyone else to know they see themselves in mm-hmm. it. So eventually they may reach out, they may send a DM or something but they will not like the post because they don't want anyone else to know that they see themselves in that, that they're struggling in relationships. They're struggling in their Mm -hmm. business. They're struggling to, you know, keep it all together. They're struggling to be a good leader to their people. They're they're Most people will be like, I don't want everyone else to know that I'm, you know, in that space. Yeah, that's true because we, we present ourselves one way to our friends, family, coworkers, church, so on and so forth. And then there's a total different way that we feel inside. So I I use that analogy a lot, particularly in uh, careers. So, you know, you I, I coach women and I coach women who are in their 40s who have built their entire life and their success in a career that they realized in their 40s or as they approached their 40s was completely incongruent with what they wanted to do. They're mission-driven. They want to live a life of purpose. And they're quickly realizing that they're halfway through their life and they're doing something that sucks the soul right out of them. They have no idea where to start. Where do I start now when I built my identity on this job and I've been really successful in it? Where do I begin to put the focus back on myself and do something for the rest of my life that actually brings me joy and happiness? It is the worst feeling in the world. And a lot of people are in that boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah. lot. In COVID, the, the nasty C word <laughs> revealed that for a lot of people, they were forced to look at their career. And they didn't realize where they had gotten and mm-hmm. what, how fast life was moving, mm-hmm. that it was all internal friction. It was all friction against the life that they wanted to live. 
to where they were in that flow. They didn't realize what they had been sacrificing. Like you'd shared the example of missing sporting events, missing birthdays, Mm -hmm. all these. And then when you're there, you're not really there. This is just me speaking where I was at in the corporate world. You might be there at the sporting event, but you got your phone in front of your face. You're answering emails because heaven forbid that I've let a reply go 15 minutes or an hour on something that could literally wait days to reply to because it's not anything mission critical. And it's all friction. It's all friction of who we should be and who we want to be. But we're afraid of the, the things that we've imagined in our head that aren't even real of what we would do. And I, I feel like as small business owners, that's and our dear friend, Michael had shared the same thing is like, it's not just managing the business. It's managing your emotions throughout the process. (laughs) It's so hard. Like the business side, isn't as hard as managing the roller coaster that we ride on because you have good days, you have bad days, and then you Mm -hmm. have the flat days and you start all over again. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is accurate. The emotional part, the being an entrepreneur is an emotional roller coaster. Or full of friction. Sure. <laughs> full of friction. All right. We are down to our final minute. So as we wrap up, I want to tell everyone to, I want to, yes, I'm going to tell everyone to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with your friends and family and eat that turkey. <laughs> Don't have the appetizers, though, if you can't control yourself because you don't know, <laughs> have room left for the turkey. What are you all doing for Thanksgiving? Everybody's coming in. So we'll I'll, I'll be cooking Wednesday and Thursday, getting ready. Nice. Michelle, how about you? Uh, Joey and I are going to have a nice, quiet Thanksgiving together. Are you making a big traditional meal? No. Nice. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm going to Denver and I'll be uh, with my siblings and we will have a big traditional meal. It'll be nice. So, all right, everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Defeat the Chaos on Voice America Business Channel. <laughs>